you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Happy birthday. Okay. Pentecost, this happy birthday of the church year, has been uh, the great debate of Twitter this week. People talking about, should you say happy birthday? Is it weird to say happy birthday? Uh, do, do we claim this as the birth of the church? And, and I admit, I, I'm not into gimmicks, but I've learned a lot of gimmicks that people do for Pentecost that I think we should bring uh, one is that you treat it like uh, St. Patrick's Day, that if somebody's not wearing red, you pinch them. <laughs> Some churches give red velvet cupcakes to everybody as they walk in to, to think about uh, the, the tongues of fire coming down while you eat this delicious cupcake. But my favorite, and I don't think Holly's going to go for this, is some churches are getting uh, confetti cannons, and as they read the scripture, they shoot red confetti from the chancel into the, into the congregation. Kathy's smiling pretty big. Kathy likes a thing. Okay. Uh, unless Holly has hidden it from me, we have no glitter cannons today. Uh, we, we simply have uh, an altar space that invites us, invites us into this story, invites us to consider what it means for the church to have a birthday, where we would want cake and where we want to be uh, joyous and where we'd want to, uh, to delight in the unexpected. Uh, uh, a beautiful picture of, uh, of wind and of life, of, of the spirit falling as a dove, these uh, calls back to, uh, to that first Pentecost, that, that time when the Holy Spirit moved. This, uh, this text that uh, makes the shift from the story of Israel to the story of the church. See, Pentecost was uh, an, a, a Jewish holiday. You know, we don't get to claim Pentecost first as ours. Uh, you might have heard it in the Old Testament called the Festival of Weeks. This is the festival 50 days after Passover uh, where good and pious Jews would bring their first fruits of their harvest uh, to the temple to offer as, as uh, thanksgiving to God. It calls back to how God uh, delivered, how passed over uh, the, the Hebrew people in slavery and in exile, uh, uh, in slavery and in exodus. And, and this would have been a high joyous moment in the life of Israel uh, to come to Jerusalem and to offer up your gifts. So, even outside of the Holy Spirit story, this is a, a foaming mass of spiritual happiness. Uh, the people in Jerusalem are delighted to, uh, to come and offer praise to God to hopefully uh, bring about uh, blessings for them, much as Israel had experienced blessings before. But they don't know what is going to happen. Jesus had told these disciples to go and wait for when the Spirit comes. And, and so we read last week that Jesus ascended, they picked Matthias, and then they just go to wait. And they don't have to wait long. We, we read that the Holy Spirit fell upon these disciples. Probably the 120 is our best reading of who them are. That the, the tongues fell on them, they received, uh, the flames fell on them, and they received the gift of the Spirit. And, and their hearts were transformed, and, and they were given new, uh, a new excitement. There's another crowd there who got to witness these disciples receive the Spirit. Uh, with this crowd of people who... Uh, who are probably outsiders, people who um, 
who Greek and, and Aramaic are probably their second or third language. These people from Phrygia and Pamphylia, these people from Rome, these people from Lebanon, who have been, uh, come back to their ancestral homeland, but who still uh, recognize that they are their other. They've been forced to learn Greek to live in the Roman Empire. They've been forced to learn Hebrew and Aramaic to be able to operate within the, uh, the cultic life of Israel. And then something astonishing happens. On that Pentecost day, their ears aren't the ones that are transformed. It's the mouths of the disciples, these, these Galilean Jews who, who they would have only known uh, Aramaic and Hebrew and then spoken Greek in the streets. And, and they receive these languages. And they say to, to those who are other, you are no longer other. They, they don't speak in Greek and hope the others understand and they speak in their native tongue and they say, here God is. For God astonishes these people. They, they are in awe and they get uh, excited even more and they are, they are riled up such that the third crowd, you have to follow the pronouns in this book because it's like they and then them and them and then they. But it's this third crowd who thinks they're drunk. These people are so excited. They're talking in strange tongues. They're out here uh, joyous in the streets. They've got to be drunk. Can you picture this scene? Can you use holy imagination? Nine in the morning, your great, 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 great grandparents went out from Israel in the exile. You settled in somewhere else. Eventually you returned to Israel and to Jerusalem and on this day you hear your mother tongue spoken and the spirit fills you and you're in awe and you delight in God. And then everybody thinks you're drunk. Peter uh, has now kind of taken on this role of chief apostle, the, the lead speaker for the crowd. He stands up and he goes, y'all have lost your mind. It's nine in the morning. These people aren't drunk. Let me tell you what's going on. And he quotes from Joel 2. He tells this, uh, he reads the scripture text as a way to call them into a different understanding in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I'll cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This crowd who is skeptical of what is going on begins to have their hearts changed. They begin to listen to what Peter is saying and, and, and hoping. Peter goes on to keep preaching the sermon to call upon Psalm 110 and, and declare who Jesus is and what he's done. How he uh, is bringing these last days through the Spirit to, to animate this new Jesus movement. To, to fulfill the prophecies from Scripture. And by the time he finishes preaching, they all have the Spirit. 3,000 of them receive the Spirit in this day and they are baptized and they uh, begin the first great movement of Christianity out from Jerusalem. The story of Acts continues with these texts that we've read over the last few weeks, this, uh, these texts of sharing all their possessions together, of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, of uh, Cornelius, the Roman, the Roman guard. 
uh, the, the story of Paul and his Damascus Road experience, the story of him and his three missionary journeys, the stories of uh, a God who shows no partiality, who does all these mighty things through the power of the Spirit. Where, whereas the, the gospel is focused on the Jesus story, this book of Acts focuses on the Spirit story and, and the birth of the church. Yeah, I've been reading the book of Acts over and over and over since we started the series and, and sitting and pondering this and and I've left with a twofold emotion. This is amazing. To read what God has done in this time and to see how the, the church has given birth is amazing. But I've also left with a, a little bit of sense of, of lament. Because we can read Acts and we can leave and go, my life doesn't seem like that. We don't have mass events where the Holy Spirit falls and we just have a conversion moment. We don't have uh, often these, these signs and wonders. If we're not careful, we can read Acts and go, well, that was for them. And, and we have something different now. There's a whole branch of Christianity that says kind of that work of the Spirit is done. Miracles and signs and wonders are over. That was to get the church started. And now we're just supposed to kind of live. And that is a, a lamentable thought. Because if we, if we look across the range of scriptures, we can see that the Holy Spirit is much more than the Pentecost flame. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives dry bones life. The Holy Spirit is the one who intercedes uh, on our behalf to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that is called counselor, an advocate, the one who will be a comforter, the one who will be the peace of Christ and the one who gives us gifts and help us bear fruit. There are dramatic gifts like the gifts of tongues that uh, are such a blessing to the life of church and there's gifts like administration. It doesn't make the list of shiny spirit-filled gifts, but friends, without the gift of administration, our church would fall apart. There's gifts of uh, preaching and evangelism and there's gifts of hospitality the church would not exist without people gifted in hospitality who, who are able to welcome, to invite in, to say, you are no longer other. You're part of us. It's easy to, to not see some of the big signs and to wonder if the Spirit is still at work. To, to think maybe it is not. If, if you grew up like I did, uh, the, the focus of the church was primarily Father, Son, and Holy Bible. The, the Bible was the way we saw God's revelation. We understood the person of Jesus and, and, and God the Father. There was very little call to trust the Holy Spirit to work in ways that are both uh, mighty and, and mysterious and in uh, ordinary and normal I have to confess that it's something I have to keep praying to God for to, to help me be aware of the work of the Spirit in my life. Uh, I've recently retaken up the practice of journaling. Uh, this is something I, I used to do terribly, but uh, somehow in this season, journaling has become a discipline that has been uh, very fruitful. And, and in this, it's helping me become more aware of, of how I'm growing in holiness and how I still have so much room to grow in holiness. Uh, this week, I was, I was journaling about... Uh, about some anxiety I was having. We had our ALT meeting Tuesday night and, I, and I, I, I was praying the next morning and I thought, what is Andover gonna look like in October? 
and on Christmas Eve and next Pentecost and in 2023, what, what do we need to do to get to where we want to be there? And as clear as I've ever experienced the Spirit, I simply heard, do you not trust me? Do you not trust me? Instead of worrying about what you can do and what teams can be activated, uh, can, can you invite my spirit into work? Can you trust that I am as active today as I was in Pentecost? That's a tough pill to swallow for an Enneagram 8 or an ISTG if you do your ISTJ, if you do your Myers-Briggs, uh, or who, if your love language is acts of service as mine is. This is a hard pill to swallow. If you're also like me, you tend to think you need to do, Right? This is very Wesleyan. It's not good for us, but it it is our history where we think God kind of sets things in motion and then we go do it. But in reality, everything that we do when it's done right is done through the strength of the Spirit. And and I've been feeling God calling me and us to this new season of of invitation of saying, "We we will go and wait, God. You sent the disciples to go wait for your Spirit and we'll wait for you to lead us to do marvelous signs, like some of the miracles we've seen this year as we have prayed day after day for people and we've seen good things happen. And as we wait for everyday ordinary things to be answered, we're going to call upon the Spirit and say, come and have your way. It's uncomfortable to me because I want to have a detailed plan. I want to have a report for ALT that says, here's our 15 action steps. Let's go for it. Um, For much of my life, quiet and prayer was a hard thing because I wanted to solve the problems, right? Dear God, if you'll do this thing, I can do this thing and we can solve this thing, right, God? But to sit in silence and wait for the Spirit to speak, uh, I think is our action step for this next year. To have have the Spirit reveal to us what we might do. And it might look like a whole lot of action steps. It might look like Kathy coming to my office and going, hey, Chad, I thought we were talking about social media and getting that going. You haven't done anything in three months with it. Uh, And it might look like things like us uh, being set free for something we never could have imagined. It might look like going to to those who are other and saying, our God shows no partiality. You're absolutely welcome. I have no clue what it could look like. But I do know that if we don't trust in the Spirit, we're going to look up next year and we're going to be weary We're going to be disappointed. We're going to have regrets. I I truly believe if we we wait on the Spirit, we will look back a year from now and be delighted in what what God has done in and through the people of Andover. I'd invite you to keep me accountable. Chad, you've, you've talked an awful lot about things we're doing, but you haven't talked about the Spirit. You haven't invited us back into prayer. You, you seem to have a plan, but not God's promise. And I'm going to be asking you, how are you waiting on the Spirit? You know, our, our, um, our, our theology, our, our founding of Methodism had three rules. Uh, do good, avoid harm, and attend to the ordinance of God. Seek God's grace. And so for this year, let's seek God's grace that his spirit might act in and through us to do mighty things, things that might even seem strange to onlookers. They might even think we're drunk at nine in the morning. Okay. 
Bonnie's been smiling and nodding. You give me hope, Bonnie. Nod and smile if it's okay if we take this year and invite the Spirit to lead us into what we are doing. It's okay to be a bit uncomfortable. I am. And I'm uncomfortable with silence, but I want to give us time. And so I'm going to go to the kneeling rail. If you want to go to the kneeling rail, if you want to to kneel where you are in your seat, if you want to stand and raise your arms, whatever prayer posture you take, I'd love to give us uh, some time to begin this invitation, to to invite the Spirit to, to speak to us in our distinct ways and to invite us into the things that the Spirit will invite us into particularly. And then we'll do as we always do. Sarah will come and lead us to the table, to this thin space where where the Spirit is, is so tangibly present and where we're fed to go out and do as the Spirit would lead us. Would you take a posture of prayer? Come upon our lives in ways that are undeniable. in the ways that Christ promised. That you would come as counselor and comforter, as advocate. That you would come in ways that that seem like a still small voice and in ways that seem like the Pentecost moment. Would you come fan a flame of the gifts you have given us Uh, draw our attention to the ways in which we are gifted and graced and give us visions and dreams to live them out. That we might see the everyday ordinary ways in which you exist in our world and lead us and and the signs and wonders that you promised as well, Lord. Lord, whenever we seek to get ahead of you in doing Would you be gentle in your rebuke, but would you call us back to you? To seek your spirit and to seek your face. Lord, would you meet us in the means of grace in ways that make them life-giving and produce fruit? Help us see them as an encounter with you instead of a, a test to accomplish. Speak to us in profound and obvious ways and in ways that uh, we have to seek discernment to recognize you in the midst of the chaos of our lives. Lord, we are but your servants in the ministry you are doing through Andover. And yet you have called us to do the work. Make clear to us the ways in which we can be faithful to what you've called us over this next year. Help us understand Uh, the gift of evangelism and discipleship you've given to your church, the the mission and responsibility we have to declare that uh, the day of the Lord is at hand. Give us a boldness through your spirit to be unashamed with the gospel. We pray that this church would yield great fruit, that as we are obedient to you, uh, we will see and delight, that we will rejoice And that we'll have great hope. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.